0: welcome into the saturday edition of the pff daily betting podcast i'm your host ben brown today we have a special guest with us andy molitor director of content for bet spurts he's one half of the deep dive podcast that just went over 1 million plays congratulations to that and uh he you know that's a lot of sports get some under the radar plays for golf college basketball basically any sport uh you can think of Andy's probably got uh the sharp side action on it so andy how are you doing today
1: good good yeah and that uh the million listens thing that was kind of an accident i was somebody had me put some numbers together for like last month uh, just to present to somebody, you know, a possible sponsor or whatnot. And I looked at the main indicator page and I'm like, oh shit, it's seven digits. Wait. And to share that with Drew. And <laughs> that, so it's kind of exciting.
0: No, that is really exciting. That's awesome work. How long have you guys had the actual deep dive podcast for going now?
1: So technically we started like four years ago, okay. kind of like, a, I think four NFL seasons ago, or it was just kind of a lark. We're basically doing it just for our, for our, little chat group that they thought it was fun to listen to but then it was like oh man people are actually listening to this and it was a lot of fun and i mean just i don't have to tell you you know just talking talking things out talking angles out makes you sharp we were like seven weeks in and i'm like are you better at nfl betting this year and he's like yeah i'm like i think it's because we're talking about it so much
0: right right that's kind of kind of how it spawned Yep, i love it i mean that's that's how I think it helps quite a bit from that side. But yeah, I did get my Spotify, you know, end of year review. I did have the deep dive podcast in my top three, basically best podcast. So I don't really get to a ton of podcasts, but that's one that I definitely make sure I hit every single week. I think the listeners out there of the PFF daily betting podcast, I'm sure a lot of you already do get in on that deep dive podcast, but if you don't uh, definitely check it out, there's a lot of real good actionable information. So Andy, what kind of a... Uh, brought you into the sports betting world. What is there like a specific time or, you know, maybe even a specific bet or something that kind of had you hooked on sports betting, or was it just uh, something you slowly picked up over time?
1: Well, I guess I was dabbled and, you know, I did fantasy and everybody who does fantasy kind of like sports to begin with. And uh, I guess everyone knows fantasy is not that dissimilar from prop betting either. So you, you start to look into it. And, and I, I, it was really just, you know, stumbling into some of this gambling Twitter stuff. Where, you know, you follow ESPN or you follow, you know, some sports sites on ESP or on Twitter and and then suddenly the algorithm stumbles you into somebody who's like posting plays. And I just remember finding that I'm like, oh my God, this guy's just posting plays for free. Like like he wouldn't do this if they were losers, would they? And that, you know, I soon learned that like 99% of it is just that people just posting break even plays, if that. So uh, it it did spin me into the gambling Twitter. That's how I met Drew. That's how I met some of the other people that I know now and just, uh, you know, continued down that path and, you know, just realizing how many sports there were to bet on. I think a lot of people start with NFL or, you know, maybe baseball, just whatever you're a big fan of, but it's usually one of the big four sports, and then as i as I progressed and networked a little more, I realized like man, there's people that are legitimately betting sums of money on tennis <laughs> every day and and then you get to realize like sometimes there's a tennis tournament in Europe, Asia, and South America simultaneously, so legitimately there's like a high level tennis match going on 24 hours a day for a good chunk of this week. Like if you really wanted to have some action down all the time, like tennis, soccer, some of these other things, it, there's just so many things you can be wagering on. And then, then you can see your brain spinning. Like it can't all be as efficient as the NFL. <laughs> right. Like some of this has to be beatable and definitely
0: that's the case in some lower level tennis for sure. Yep, I think you brought up a really interesting point. I know you kind of focus a lot on these lesser bet markets. Um, um, I do think there's kind of like a little bit of two sides to that coin. Of course, there's like the inefficient market, um, you know, idea, but then there's also this idea that there's just only real sharps would probably be betting those markets. Uh, how do you kind of quantify an edge and doing some of those, you know, lesser betting markets and how do you kind of view them um, from, you know, like a profit standpoint, how would you kind of uh, target those? Or, you know, how do you actually, you know, quantify basically that you do have an edge, backed up against you know probably what i would qu- classify as other sharp bettors who are in you know on like the tennis matchups or some of the lower tier pga or, or other golf matchups how do you uh, handle that situation
1: yeah and i don't think you can get involved in a lot of that stuff unless you are doing modeling or at least you know some sort of ranking yellow something numbers based otherwise if you're not setting your own prices before the prices come out then you're you're just using your opinion, I think. And I don't know how, how far you can get with that. And, you know, you speak about some of these less efficient markets. Like they're less efficient, but they're still moving towards efficiency because you're certainly not the only person in the market. And I just see that on like, the lower level tennis when my, you know, I'm still in the same tennis chat I was five years ago, talking to the same guys about tennis. And some of those guys are betting lower level stuff and they'll guess what a price will open at and you'll see it open at some crazy shop and like I think it's called Marathon bet it's you know not not something we have over here but some of the first openers you'll see it and you'll see numbers just fly right. like somebody is you know there's somebody who's betting tennis openers when it's open at one book in the entire world that's not even taking good limits. Like there are lots of people in those markets, even if it's not, you know, the number that we're seeing in like an NFL sides market on a Sunday. So there is there's something to be said for you know, the lack of efficiency doesn't mean a complete lack of efficiency. Those numbers are sharpening up through the market, through the the price discovery until the match starts every every
0: single day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to be, especially in those less efficient markets, it does seem like you have to be on the openers right away and have some outs at books that are actually releasing those lines or else it is, you know, a much more difficult market from my perspective to be just with all like, basically the only action is sharp action at that point in time. So it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic to sports betting. So I do want to ask, um, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's this, um, I don't know, an idea of like the tout industry um i know it gets a lot of hate i think there's a lot of gray area as far as what is classified as t- a tall a tout or not um i feel like you actually can kind of get a lot of respect um from both sides even the people that you know essentially want to lump everybody together into a, a t- into being a tout and um I'm wondering, like, where do you stand on all of that whole situation? Do you think that, um, you know, nobody should basically be selling picks? How do you handle like newer betters who basically don't really understand um, either side of it? I think there has to be some sort of educational process, which I think you do really well. Um, How do you kind of handle that balancing act, basically?
1: Yeah, I've been back and forth on this because there are a lot of people that make a lot of good points about it. You you think about, uh, I mean, think about the housing the housing collapse, you know, like 15 years ago and some of the balloon loans and you know the arm loans and like the, there was legitimately predatory lending going on. Right. Well, it doesn't mean we shouldn't have mortgages. You know, there is there's a a of a, a spectrum to it, I suppose. Like there are there are skeezy people in every industry and right. this is just an industry that leads itself towards becoming that way very easily and very quickly there's a lot of bad actors out there in the tout industry but I there's people I know that sell picks sell information that are you know very good about it they're making sure you know that they'll limit how many people they can it's something that doesn't scale like that's right. what nobody understands like if you want to just make it huge as a tout eventually you're going to be too big and not all of your clients can get your number. And then at that point, you're not providing them the best service that you could. So, it's something that once it scales to a certain size, it becomes a problem. So, it's a goofy industry in that sense. But also, I guess I'm enough of a realist now to realize like it's never going to go away. Right. It's something there's always going to be a demand for, and it just in the free market, if there's a demand for something, you can tell people till they're blue in the face that no not to do it that there's going to be people that do it so right. hopefully there is some regulation i doubt there'll ever be like true you know oversight on it but hopefully people just educate themselves enough to not get scammed too bad because it's not something that's going away i mean think about like it's not like you couldn't go get heroin if you wanted to. <laughs> like we, you know, we tell people right. like, "Hey, heroin's illegal. You shouldn't do that." Well, you, you could still go buy it. It's the same thing. It's, you know, you, you could say like, "Don't get scammed by these touts." Like, well, that's not gonna make them stop touting. It's, right. it's, it's just something that's going to happen. It's just, uh, it's always going to be a part of the industry. So, right. and that, like you said, the education part. We try to tell people, like, look for this, this, and this. And if if you can't find that, may- maybe you shouldn't send an internet stranger any money. That's, right. that's always good advice, I guess.
0: <laughs> Most of the time, that is good advice. Yeah, I do like, really like what you said. I know there are, you know, some touts that people like at this point in time that are basically moving markets i think like ras picks for example they are you know have a service where they're essentially just releasing i'm not too familiar with but they're just releasing plays out to their people as quickly as possible then we're seeing line movements especially especially in these lower college basketball games uh you know significant total movement basically um for example yesterday or Two days ago, at this point, Eastern Illinois, I think, and Chicago State or something like that. Chicago State dropped, dropped like eight points. Yeah, yeah, on the release. So it's just, um, it is kind of an interesting dynamic. But I think there's a lot more gray area, um, from people that, uh, you know, like for PFF, for example, people would potentially label, you know, certain things that we do as touts, but we're really trying to, you know not only educate people, but provide tools that make um, people more successful, not necessarily just selling picks. I do think there's definitely um, a significant difference from that. So let's switch gears a little bit. I'm wondering, you know, obviously things are quite different in 2020. How are you kind of handling the certain COVID situations that continuously arise in either college football or the NFL or any other betting that you're doing? Obviously we're seeing some significant line swings and movement throughout the week. If we do get some negative news towards COVID Um, has it a, is it changed your approach to how you're betting this year? Or is, are you essentially doing the uh, same thing, pounding, you know, pounding openers and, you know, trying to get the best of the number right away.
1: Yeah. We went back and forth on that a little, and then I kind of decided to just maintain the the course I was on. Like, as far as I'm going to treat COVID like an injury, right? Like you can't, it's hard to, it's hard. I, I'm going to say, it's hard to predict, but in some can cases, it might not be. Like If a team has positive cases the week before and you're worried about their management style or if it's the Raiders or if the Raiders adjacent, like if, if it's something like they've had multiple problems with this, it might be something to look out for. You know, like we, we talked about the Ravens with what happened last week. I guess there was probably some signal that's like, oh, they could continue to have issues. Like they're, they're still having some positives pop here. And I had the Steelers minus three and it got canceled and that sucked. And I seen a good conversation on, on just on Twitter with a couple of guys that I respect. And the one said, you know, just kind of thinking out loud on his timeline, should we be thinking about avoiding early lines right. because of this? And another guy said, Well, I mean, it's just like anything else. Like, uh, and I mean I'm paraphrasing him. This is more of what I say. Like, every time you see one of those bad beats on like SVP or anybody has a bad beat tweet or media piece. Like that's somebody else's crazy lucky win, right? You know, it's not just someone's bad beat. Somebody was on the other side of that. Somebody won. You know, somebody had the Eagles minus or plus six and a half on Monday. It's, it's always two sided. You know, it's not complete zero sum because it's uneven. But like that, that's the same thing. You could have, you know, you could have had the Broncos number when they had the quarterbacks all go out but you could have also been the guy that bet the saints early like if you had the saints at minus six you were just laughing when that happened like god i hope they play this game so i think it's one of those things where it's not a big enough sample that i can tell you it'll even out for you personally like i make less than 100 nfl bets a year it probably won't even out for me but over the course of like just the law of big number it's going to even out so i'm not too worried about it and i'm just kind of hoping it doesn't break my, against me. I mean, it's right. just, it's similar to a quarterback gets hit early in the first quarter breaks his leg. Like that stuff's going to happen in, in an NFL football game. And sometimes you're going to be on the right side. And it, it sucks to say like, I'm on the right side of this guy having a injury sustaining right. you know, career. But I mean, it, it's the, that's the reality of betting on these games. There are injuries, and they'll go for you and against you. There's not much you can do. So, right. I, I don't think I've adjusted too hard off it. Just I've had to spend a lot more time paying attention right. because odds all, all suddenly like, just. I mean, just keeping up with the Steelers Ravens thing. It was like both sides had it. All of a sudden, there was a couple dozen names you had to track. Like, are they going to play or not?
0: Right. Yeah. It is. It can be exhausting at certain points. I definitely agree with you. So. Um, Another question, basically besides game totals and spreads, are there any other markets you kind of gravitate towards? I know you talked a little bit about player props. There's in-game betting, you know, touched on a little bit of injury situations. Maybe that's you play. Is there any ones that you kind of gravitate towards where you see a higher volume? I know you guys have, um, you know, a lot of second half line discussion on your periscope sessions and stuff like that. Are those typically the markets that you're targeting? Are there um, certain ones that you kind of gravitate towards? Yeah,
1: I do quite a bit of live betting on a Sunday and in, in other sports as well. If you see angles, it gets less as the season goes on, like the, especially with just the second half. And I mean, a second half total is just a live bet. Essentially it's, right. it's just, you have a little extra time before the line's going to come off the board because of, you know, a, another play is starting or something happened. So I probably play a higher volume of second half bets earlier on the season like, you know, we talk about the efficiency of the NFL market and the move towards price discovery being complete, and it, it gets there after a dozen weeks, man. It's right. It gets tougher. I only played one second half. Like, we, we joke about the most minus EV move we ever had was also the most fun we have is doing those halftime scopes. Right. Right. Like, that when we came up with that idea, we're like, that's genius. That's going to be so fun. I think people like that. People do like it. We get a lot of people in the chat talking with us, like, Forcing ourselves to make that second half play, like that's the most <laughs> minus CP thing, because like eighty percent of those, it's like the right answer is don't bet the second half. Right, like that's always the right answer, and it's gotten to that point too. With uh, just on a Sunday, I only made one second half play uh, on the Vikings game, I think, which was a double down on a pregame bet I had already, I, but I just liked it enough. And you know, early in the season, probably making four or five on a Sunday afternoon, making some live bets. I've learned some things from some guys too, do some modeling where they, uh, you know, they have an idea what they want to live bet before the game starts. Right. Or just saying, if this scenario presents itself, like if this team gets out to a lead, it's more, there's a proclivity to the over. Or if right. this team gets out to a lead, you should actually just bet them at a worse number because they're better with a lead, better with continuing to add to a lead. The other team is worse from behind. So I've learned some nice things from a few people on live betting. I'd like to, you know, continue to add that because we're—I mean—we're kind of behind the times here uh, on the side of the pond as far as how much pre-game betting we do compared to live betting. Right. Like in in Europe, it's it's flip-flopped. Like everything's in game. And right. they're just constantly live betting. And, it's, and it seems silly because it's a lot of, it's like soccer where there's like three goals, right? Like, yeah, as much as you're live. Betting, I mean, but they're live betting total cards and corners and yeah. all kinds of crazy markets over there. So I, hopefully the live market continues to improve over here. It's a lot right. of fun
0: too. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Do you think, do you kind of view that as the future of sports betting at this point? I know a lot of people kind of uh, tend to have that point of view. Um, I think it potentially is. Do you kind of agree with that statement?
1: yeah especially if you see some of these uh, the apps and like think of some of these contest apps or contests you see a lot of it is like in game stuff, you know like the the ball street thing was like trading it's like trading options on a on a team or a side. you know things like that. like it's almost like the gamification of it right and that's kind of what in game is where it's 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 gamification it's short term real fast like you know there's some places that where you can be betting the outcome of the next play right which is yeah. which is wild when you get that far down to it I, I know people who will make bets on like the outcome of a drive and right. actually put good money towards it and have some have some actual data backing it up. I'm not sure if you can do that play by play but I think as it continues people people will like that like there'll be a right. want there'll be a need and anywhere there's a need somebody's gonna fill it and
0: right. f- for sure live betting is going to get bigger and bigger right you break you brought me back a little bit to my glory days the site that uh, we probably shouldn't mention but it starts with a b and has changed names before they did have a lot of those in-game bets uh back in the day when i used to be on that site just a little bit um you know in the glory days back before the 2010 era kind of hit um and i remember they had a lot of those bets and i thought that i kind of found an edge on betting how far punts would actually land when there was going to be a punt basically on the other side of the field. Cause I didn't think it was actually correctly calculating out, um, up touchback scenario on certain things, so that was one that I would just sit there and watch on Sundays, wait and cheer for punts on the other side of the fifty, which is probably like the most my CV play from a team perspective. But I loved it back then because I thought it had a little bit of an edge. But uh, I think that one slowly disappeared as well. So, anyways, that's besides the point. Well, uh, different tangent. So uh, I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about this college football site. I know you're not too heavily invested in college football, more NFL and some other you know markets and things. But is there any uh, games that you're kind of betting? uh this saturday here coming up
1: uh we we talked a little off air about how a lot of what i bet is college is just through other people and i think there's a good point to be had is like nobody has the bandwidth to bet every sport and do it successfully so like as you progress through this like i can't stress building a network enough like there's there's guys that you're gonna lean on not only for you know, just uh, I'm not saying find a guy who's really good at another sport and just blindly tail him, but it's great to have other people that you can listen to, that you can bounce ideas off of, and that's kind of what I do in college football. I take it pretty easy, but man, the, the informational stuff is where it's at, really. really? One, once you do build a network and you can get news, you might not be the first, but if you're close enough to the front of the line, you're going to get a good number before you find out. It, really a lot of its injuries normally but right. this year it's 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 COVID stuff like the the coastal carolina liberty game's gone now but like if if you were someone who knew someone who found out about the the positive for liberty first you've got a great number that got canceled now right. and th- i mean that happens every week and a lot of those games do get canceled and i guess we are blessed with getting the Brigham young stepping in like that's going to be an awesome matchup right. i probably I won't bet that, but I have been betting a lot of Brigham Young team total overs early on in the week as soon as somebody will pop them up. Uh, I looked in my queue to see if I did have any college bets outside of the Coastal game, and I forgot I got an FCS guy who uh, I did bet – Gosh, who's who's playing the FCS game? They're like fifty-point favorites. I gotta find that one now. Oh, I don't even know. I guess it's like sure. Western. It's like Western Carolina.
0: Okay. Oh, here
1: it is. Uh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. So I have UNC minus
0: forty-nine. Right. North Carolina. It's 50th. By weekend play-in games, sort of. Yeah. Thing so interesting. No, I did yeah.
1: play. I did play a little of that, but a lot of a lot of the stuff I will play is in-week stuff. I've seen. I guess I feel like I've seen people have more edges on some of these standalone games, right. uh, even though that seems counterintuitive. I do see a lot of action on these, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday games. Right. Um, people, I mean, you, you saw some late action last night on Louisiana Tech, like it got it got beat down to uh, North Texas being a favorite, and then a bunch of money came in on Tech late, and they came out with it. It looks like we only have one game on uh, a. Well, we're recording this on a Friday, this is a Saturday pod, but. Like tonight, App State is taking some money. That's probably right. not going down off the three anymore. Pretty the, the sharp coin came in on the. I don't even know what the team name is, man. Like Mountaineers
0: or that's West Virginia. Yep. What's, yep. What what is App State? Hey, they are the Mountaineers too. Yeah, App State. Oh, is they the are. Everybody's so. the Mountaineers. In that they state, are the. <laughs> so. uh,
1: that, that, I mean, that got beat down a little towards Lala and their rank. They have a number before their name. I you do see that a lot, especially right. on a Saturday. People. People put a lot of stock into that number before the name, right. especially when the other team doesn't have one. Sometimes you see some dumb moves there. But right. yeah, um, college gets, I think college does get tougher as the year goes on too. And this is kind of a year that's not like others as well. With the COVID stuff, you're going to start to see some weirdness here too with players quitting. Right. I hate to say the word quit. Cause it it's, you know, they're just kids and some of them have to make some decisions, but essentially it's what it is. Like right. some of these players, if they're on a team that might not have what it takes or the, you know, just mathematically, they're not in a spot to compete for what they thought they were going to be. You're going to see some people that we're looking at going to the draft, probably opting out here. Right. So right. staying on top of that stuff is going to be super important as we get down here and right. Uh, I don't even know how many weeks left are, right. there are. It's so weird with how the Pac-12 started
0: so late, and right. like everybody's at a different point in the year. Yep, yeah, it is interesting. There are there have been some significant opt outs already. Of course, us being Minnesota boys, we already saw it with Rashad Bateman opting. in out opting in and now opting out again once their season kind of went down the drain a little bit. So it is an interesting um idea. But yeah, it is something that people basically have to be monitoring. This 2020, it seems like you have to kind of continuously stay ahead of the information flow uh more than any years past so we'll see if that continues forward into the upcoming years or not i'm not sure if it will uh but that is kind of an interesting spot so yeah this was great andy i definitely appreciate it. you got any other uh, final thoughts or any spots that people can definitely find find you should be checking out anything like that
1: oh just uh yeah all my stuff is usually on twitter they, You know my my twitter's at andy msfw I'm over there on the Bet app at Andy. I'm doing a lot of stuff with them right now. I'm gonna be putting out some more content as they ramp up their content. I'm I'm gonna be starting a new show. Like there's gonna be a new podcast soon, which that's what the world needs is more podcasts. Right. But it'll it'll be a short one. Like uh you know, it's the deep dive you listen to the deep dive, as you said. It's it's long form. Like right. that's that's not for everybody, but that's why we started to put in some you know uh, what do you call them the tags for the time some people just want to listen to us talk about one specific game and they like that and i guess we don't care as long as you download it it's the same same on our end so so i am looking at doing some short form stuff here soon i think there's definitely a a market for that so it'll be exciting going forward as we get into boy every other season's about to start you got nhl and nba around the corner and that rolls right into mlb I get the Olympics and the Euro 2020 that I was deprived of this year. And hopefully everything else is at a normal time, like Masters and Kentucky Derby right in the, in the spring rather than the fall.
0: So it should be an exciting 2021. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's what we try and do a little bit on the PFF Daily Betting Podcast every day. Try and keep it, you know, 20, 25 minutes, something like that. So we are trying to do a little bit more of that short form content. Because like you said, uh, some things tend to get a little bit long. But yeah, I definitely appreciate uh, the Deep Dive Podcast every single week. It is a great show. Definitely check out Andy at MSF. W uh, on twitter and he'll you know basically have links out to all of his work he's great um does a lot of great sports betting content so this was ben brown i appreciate you guys checking out the pff daily betting podcast uh george and eric will be back tomorrow to discuss some player prop action and uh, then we'll have a wrap-up on sunday night thank you guys